Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 19th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 157, the third paragraph, Hopelessness was written large on the man's face. Today's readers are Larry K., Ginger, and Maureen, and I'm sorry I don't have your initials, um, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lauren N. to read the 12 steps. Star one to unmute Lauren. Sorry, all. I was uh, muted. Um, ah, I'm not ready. I'm here. I'm here, Julie. If you need. Um, oh, please. Yeah. I'm sorry. Lauren N doesn't have her her twelve steps right here. Sorry. Go ahead, Janice. Please. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, all. Yes, these are the twelve steps of all the Eaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will, for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions. 
Thank you, Julie. Good morning. This is Naomi Bia, grateful, recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is best based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 157, paragraph three, hopelessness was written large on the man's face. We will be reading through the second paragraph and being in comment on both. I will now ask Larry Kay to begin reading. Thanks for your service, Julie. This is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied, oh, but that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three times I got drunk on the way home from here, I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences. Over and over, he would say, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. Well, the, uh, you know, so, so again, you know, we're here, you know, Bill and Dr. Bob are carrying the message to, uh, 
to this gentleman as, as they have to do, right? Because they know, they've learned that, uh, and they're continuing to learn that carrying the message is going to enable them to maintain their sobriety. They have to carry this message. But here's this guy, Bill Dotson, uh, alcoholic number three in the program here. And, and, you know, this guy, you know, keep in mind, I mean, he was a prominent lawyer. He had been a city councilman, you know, family guy. Um, and yet here he was, uh, nonetheless, he'd, he'd been hospitalized eight times in the past six months because of his alcoholism, you know, and usually he would get drunk even before he got home. So, yeah, this guy, hopelessness was written large on his face. And uh, I can remember uh, that same sense of hopelessness. I don't know that I articulated that, but when I heard other people telling their stories and I'm thinking, holy criminy, um, that's me. I, I eat like that. I think like that. You know, um, that, you know, was maybe a little bit of sense of hope, but at the same time, it's like, boy, oh boy, I don't know that anything could fix this. You know, and and usually when I would hear those messages, I remember hearing the message uh, and, uh, and, and literally that day, and I meant it when I told myself, oh, you know, I'm not going to pick up again. There's no way I'm going to pick up again now that I have this information. And you know what? <laughs> by, the, by the time before noon, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got my uh, hand stuck in a cellophane bag, a bakery box or something or a carton. And, you know, so here it is for an hour. The two friends, Bill and Bob, told him about their drink, drinking experience. And over and over he would say, that's me, that's me. I drink like that. See, that's what's necessary for us to begin the process, what's happening to uh, Bill Dotson is he's he's perhaps coming to a conclusion and maybe he'll he'll be lucky enough to concede to his innermost self that he is a true alcoholic and uh you know so this guy you know he will learn later that uh that he walked out of that hospital on July 4th he never drank again and we're going to read more about that but the, the one thing that I'll leave it is to say is that it's just so important, not only are we learning about carrying the message, but we, when we carry the message, for someone to get the message, whether they get it or not, you know, Bill and Bob remain sober, but we have to concede to our innermost self that we are indeed, if we're a, you know, are we a pickle? And if we're a pickle, we're never going to be a cucumber. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Melissa C. Melissa C. Charles H. Reva P. Charles H. Vasa O. Vasa O. And who was that? Melissa C. I don't know if you heard Melissa. Melissa C. Yes, I had you as first, but maybe I was wrong. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Chrissy G. Okay, we're going to start with um, Melissa C., Reva P., Charles H. Melissa C., go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York. And I guess I was so eager, I didn't even hear that I was first. But, um, yeah, you know, um, that hopelessness, you know, written large on your face, um, I've been there. You know, I know, like, when I first came, um, I couldn't even make eye contact. You know, the hopelessness. It was so, it was so painful to um, to be in a spot where I knew that I was I was licked by this thing. And you know, and I love this part because we're hearing um, really specific directions on how to carry the message. You know, when and so now when I meet people 
seem like hopelessness is written large on their face, I'm not going to start off with the solution. You know, I have to um, carry it in precisely this way. I have to tell what I did with food, you know, what I thought, the way that I behaved, the way that I acted, the way that um, this disease had me down, because that's where the identification um, first begins. And, you know, and I know for myself, feeling recovered today, um, it's really important that I carry the message in this way for the person that I'm carrying it to, but also for myself. I need to stay in very close contact with the hopelessness that lives large on my face because if I don't, um, I will, you know, I have the ability to forget. And when I speak to people who say, you know, that they picked up again or, you know, they were recovered and they, and they um, fell back into the food, I, I think one of the first things that they stop maintaining the contact with is their own hopelessness. And um, and so when we carry the message, we have to do it precisely this way. And I know for myself, when I first heard people tell the things that I did, um, yeah, there was, holy crap, I'm not alone in this, but there was also, oh, my God, I'm going to have to really change if I want what they want, you know, if I want to have what they have. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Reva P., then Charles H. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. This is such a huge remember when for me when I heard the, at my first meeting a speaker talk, and I can't remember to this day anything she said, but I do remember uh, feeling exactly like this Alcoholics Anonymous member number three where it was like, oh, my God, that's how I think wow, I've done the same things. Um, and I think, well, I know I cried my way through that whole first meeting. Um, and it's just so um, great to be reminded when they're saying they're giving this man a treatment, how does the treatment begin? The treatment doesn't begin by preaching to him and telling him, you've got to do this and you've got to do that and giving him a whole bunch of advice. The treatment begins by um, getting him to identify in and spending a whole hour talking about their experience. Um, and this might be jumping ahead, but what also um, this reminds me of is not only are they having like a drunkalog and talking about, you know, their binges and how awful it is, um, because that would not help and does not help me. Um, there are also um, people who were at that place exactly where he was, and they have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of body and mind. And that reminds me um, in There is a Solution. It says we're like passengers of a shipwreck um, after rescue from disaster. But unlike the ship's passengers, um, our escape from disaster doesn't end um, once you know we've come in t- um, once we've been rescued. So that's one element, and the, the common other element is not just the common problem, but the common solution. So to see somebody who's been where I was, um, lived through what I've lived through, and they're not there anymore. And you know what? That struck me so much at the beginning, and it strikes me still today. There are people who go through... Um, all kinds of family situations, financial crises, health, 
and they get through to the other side in recovery. Um, that is the the double miracle of it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Charles H. followed by Vasa O. Thank you, Julia. I thank you for your 4 a.m. moderating skills from on the <laughs> west side. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Charles H. are recovered. Compulsive reader just for today. Um, so I want to drill, you know, nothing would fix me. I'm going to go the last three times I got drunk on the way home from it. I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. We'll, we'll never, I'll never solve the riddle. Um, but I can identify with this, and, 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 and I'm going to share something. Um, I can identify, I was addicted to crack, man. And, 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 and I'm not saying this for no ooh and ahs. It's just my story. And I can identify with being in, 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 in rehab, extorting people, and on the way home getting cracked out and going on a meeting to my I got, you know, I got one day lying and all that. So I can identify with, 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 with uh, Bill D right here. Um, you know, I, I, I can't understand it. I, I, I'm grateful that I'm not in a crack house today. I'm not binging my face off today, and um, I, I thank Bill D for his experience, like you know, just doing it over and over and over without, like, not not thinking that the end is not near. But I could recall back today, just reading this passage, that man, the end was near. And 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 today I stand a free man, and we here on the line, freedom ain't free. You know, it means self-destruction. It, it means destruction of self. And, I, and I'll share one more thing. Um, I was talking with a brother, so a couple of brothers in my neighborhood. We got clean together, and he was like, man, I still got that resentment with the guy that gave me some stuff. My uncle gave me some stuff way back then. I said, you got 10 years clean, man. You're still in prison. Let that man go. And I gave him the, the other treatment for, the, for, for our untreated alcoholism. I said, Let's, I, 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 I humbly try to take him through that resentment inventory right there because he's clean. He's clean from the substance. And, you know, I said, this, this leads me to my, another, my next point, and I'm going to close after this. You know, these people that's telling people you've got to wait 90 days to embark on a spiritual journey, go drink some bleach, man. Because I tell you what, if I could get 90 days without embarking on the 12 steps, I would not be in Overeaters Anonymous or in a 12-step program. I'll keep it real with you. If I could get 90 days, if I could get 30 days without um, without it, I wouldn't be in this program. Hopelessness was definitely written all over my face, and God seen it fit for me to uh, get an opening and, 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 and jump in a gun. On the third day, this man walked out of the hospital, a free man. He said, honey, get my clothes. We out of here. Free. Never to drink again. And he almost won another election or something. You can read the rest. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Charles H. And Vasa O, followed by Chrissy G. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And yes, this is what I did when I went to my first meeting. Over and over, he would say, That's me. That's me. I think I. I'm like like you. The identification was very, very important. 
And I go to two live, uh, live meetings a week, Tuesday night and Saturday morning, and I need to do that. I'm so grateful they're so close by my house. And we had two newcomers last night. No, today is Tuesday night. We had two newcomers. And I could see the hopelessness in their face, the cries and the fears. It just reminded me of me when I came to the beginning of my program. And I found hope, you know, and that's what we gave these two people. We gave them hope, you know. And uh, one of them said she doesn't know if she belonged there. So we said, well, you know, come to six meetings and decide for you if it's for you or if it's not, you know. We don't, I, I kept on hearing, you know, Vasa, nobody's going to force you to stay in the program and nobody's going to kick you out. And it, it was such a freedom for me to know that. And uh, what a blessing, you know. I, I've been working with this woman for the, for the last six or seven months and it seemed like it was, was going okay, you know. And then she said, well, I can handle the food by myself now. Oh, I'm doing fine. So I just let her do, you know, we get in touch every once in a while, and I called them a couple days later, a few days later, how you doing, I need to tell you, I feel so guilty calling you, I went back to the food, I had a binge, so I said, okay, let's go back to the doctor's opinion, call another person, share by your own experience with the food, and we're going to start all over and going to continue with the fourth step again. But again, it's a cunning, baffling disease, you know, and I'm just so grateful, grateful that I've stuck with this program with the good and bad going in my life. There was nothing bad around there. This was the answer to my problem. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Chrissy G., you're next. Thanks, Julie. Hi, I'm Christy G. I'm a compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And this is that that moment of of identification that happened is exactly what I needed because all my life I had heard like on page twenty people saying, um, I can't take I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he or why can't you? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you just try beer or wine? Like that that was the story of my life. People would say that to me. You know, just I remember when this my friend once when I was in um, compulsive overeating phase of my disease. He was like, "Why don't you just eat Campbell's soup?" Because he was like, and like maybe uh, 110 pounds soaking wet, and that's like what he ate every day. So he thought, "Why don't you just eat Campbell's soup?" And I just looked at him like. I, just like he was an alien, you know, like he would never get it. And and then when I my first like my first OA meeting, all I the was going through my head is I'm home, I'm home. These are my people. And and that feeling is just like I can't I can't listen to someone who doesn't understand, who can't who could give me advice that doesn't make any sense. You don't think I've tried just eating soup? I don't think I've tried just eating, um, oh, gosh, how many, what did I do? Oh, once I went on a diet where I just drank beer. So I didn't, I didn't eat. I just drank beer. That was, that was like in my teens. That was a good diet. I mean, I, I tried everything. That, it wasn't about the food. It was about connecting with a person who 
who understood my feelings to the depth of my soul of self-hatred that I needed to numb out with my drug of choice. And, and for me, that was my disease. And I, I heard that in these people, that feeling of never fitting in, isolation. And then the food being a comfort and a joy and a friend early on, and then it turning on us. So I'm just so grateful for this, this program. And, and I, uh, I passed. Thanks. Thank you, Chrissy G. And we'll take a few more on this paragraph before we move on. Who would like to share? Anita J. Okay, hold on. Mary B. Okay, I think I heard Kim G. And then who was next? Anita J. Anita J. Mary B. Before Mary B. Anna K. Okay, we're going to... Harlan G. Harlan G. Nessa, Nessa R. R. I got you, Nessa. Okay, let's start with um, Kim G and then Anita. Kim G, go ahead. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. Um, oh, for an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences. You know, I, I think to myself, you know, in many areas, I've been away for 22 years, and many times if I come into a meeting, let's say 10 minutes late, I would have no idea I was in a 12-step meeting, let alone an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. But I'm not hearing about people's drinking experiences. I'm hearing about people's problems with their marriages. I'm hearing about their problems with their children, the jerk at work. Because, we, unfortunately, many meetings have turned into junior therapy meetings. And they're saying here they specifically talked about their drinking experiences, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. And that's what Bill D. is identifying it with. But I do have to say also, if simply talking about being in the hell of compulsive overeating was enough to have me recover, honestly, I would have recovered before OA because I did that for years and all you can eat for phase. In fact, I learned bulimia in college because I was talking about the horrors of binging and I was given the solution of throwing up. So what is, what is the magic? What is, what is Bill and Bob offering him? Their drinking experience to help them identify in, but more, what are they offering? And I think to myself about page 18, which is a perfect illustration of this. It says, but the ex-problem drinker, someone who has recovered, who has found the solution, who is properly armed with the facts about himself. And what are those facts? Those facts are the problem, the solution, and the plan of action. That person can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. But the man who is making the approach had the same difficulty that obviously knows what he's talking about and his whole support then shouts at the new prospect that he is a man with a real answer. And that is the power of a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I don't care whether it's face-to-face or on a phone, but when you walk in and you hear people with depths and weight, that, that you know that they understand what you went through experientially, but the power is they're not there anymore. And let me assure you, let me assure you that I know to the core of my soul that I am a compulsive overeater. But let me also assure you that I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. On on one day at a time, on a daily basis, I remain recovered as long as I stay grounded in this daily work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kim G. And I'd like to remind everybody to please um, hit star one. 
so we could have a clear line. Anita J., you're next, followed by Judy K. Thank you so much, uh, Julia and Kim G., uh, because I wanted to talk about my experience with vision. I've known what I, what I am, uh, and I don't mean a child of God. I mean a, a real bottom compulsive overeater, but it didn't stop me from relapsing and relapsing. And so what was it about vision? Uh, now I remember what it was. That's me, that's me started all over again when I listened to vision, when I heard people all over the country and other countries talking about their experience, chronic relapser, chronic relapser. Uh, That's me, that's me. And they had a message and they still have it. I don't want to idolize them, but they're my... um, People that I listened to, they knew what they were and still they didn't get it until they finally followed precisely what was written in this book, which I've read since 1978. But did I follow the whole thing? No, not until I began to hear people just like me with my history. And I know there have to be hundreds on the line. Uh, who have had that experience, it can stop today if you can pick up this book and, you know, clear the cobwebs out of your ear and all the past, set it all aside and pay attention to this depth and weight and the people you hear who are chronic relapsers just like you aren't doing it anymore. What is that but a miracle? And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And we have Judy K. followed by Mary B. Judy K. star one to unmute. Did you mean Judy F.? Oh, I'm sorry, Judy F. Gosh, you're right. Oh, good. I wasn't sure if you got my name. Uh, thank you, Julie, for your service. This is Judy F. Uh, compulsive overeater recovered in Massachusetts. Grateful to be here today. Oh boy. Uh, so hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied, Oh, but that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. Boy, can I identify in to that. I tried so many things. Um, all the diets you could. I tried therapy. I tried this Chinese doctor's, all his remedies. I I tried um, medication, uh, everything. And when I came, then came to OA, it says, he said um, over and over, that's me, that's me. For four years, I came in and out of OA. And what I did was I, when I listened to someone's story of um, transformation, I looked for ways I, I went, well, I'm not really like that. I just kept um, comparing myself out because I was not ready. I was not ready to let go of my way of trying to control the food, eat what I want, and be thin between my um, bulimia and my compulsive overeating. I wanted to stay stay sick um, because 
I just was not ready. And in this paragraph, it's like he's ready. He's identifying in, and that's such a gift. When I finally, because I was beaten up by the food, I just, it was between my willingness and God's grace that got me to start looking at how I am alike and how maybe this might work for me. And then I saw a transformation too. When I just wanted the food, I many, many transfer, transformed people told their story and I just was not ready and willing to identify in. And that's so key to have that open mind. And I tell newcomers, just have an open mind and say, maybe, maybe this is me. And don't try to identify in to everything. Not everything's going to have my whole story, but there are uh, every person that speaks and tells their story I can identify in if I have that open mind and that desire to do so. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy F. And Mary B., followed by Nessa R. Thank you, Julie. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. And this is Mary B., gratefully recovered, uh, calling from Yuma, Arizona this morning. And this, um, this part of the book and all of the shares that I've been hearing in the last few days has taken me back to something I remember so well, even though in two weeks, it's going to be 54 years ago, when I walked into my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, I heard two words that were so important to me, and that was compulsive overeater. Those words, oh my God, that's me, that's me. There's a name for it. I thought I was just insane. My eating was out of control. I couldn't stop. I was 25 years old. I grew up in these rooms. There were two things that were going on in that meeting, and there were about 30 people. I mean, OA was only two years old, and there were about 30 people in that meeting that night. And there were two things that really shocked me, and one was that these people got up in front of the room and they talked about what they did with food. And to me, I was so ashamed. There was so much shame in my eating and my weight. And and these people were talking about it. And the other thing was that they were laughing. The people in the room were laughing. And, oh, my gosh, I loved it. I loved it. I don't know what else I could have heard in that room that would have uh, turned me off. But I know that had I gone there with looking for something to say, well, this isn't going to work either, whatever it is, I would have found something. But thank God. I thank God. I loved it. I fell in love with this program. And, um, you know, I, I go to some meetings where uh, step study, they could be step study meetings, and they might be on, maybe it's uh, July and they're on step seven and there's a newcomer in the room, and so then they'll go back to step one for that meeting. And, you know, I'm not judging that. Maybe that's fine. Maybe that works. I know when 
in the beginning, when I would be taking a newcomer to a meeting for the first time, I would think, oh, I hope there's a good leader. I hope there's a good speaker today. I hope this will happen or that will happen so that my newcomer will fall in love with the program the way I did. And today I realize that it doesn't make any difference. When somebody walks into that room like I did, it doesn't matter what they hear. When they can identify in and they're desperate and they want this, they'll grab it. And as I did, I'm just so, so grateful that my higher power kept me coming back all these years. So I can say I am Mary and I am a recovered compulsive eater today. Thank you. Thank you, Mary B. Nessa, Nessa R. followed by Harlan G. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, what spoke to me today is um, the following passage. The last two times I got drunk on the way home from here. And I, I relate to this because I did this for so long. Um, you know, I went to my, my first meeting. I heard I, I had a disease. I was a compulsive overeater. It wasn't my fault. I wasn't a failure. Um, and I cried and cried and cried. But for, for, for a long time, every time after the meeting, I would go to the uh, supermarket that was nearby, buy my binge food, and just binge my way home. And, you know, I, I would say for people on the line who who are doing the same thing, hanging up the phone um, and doing, you know, starting on the day's binge, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, I would hear at this meeting, well, you've been asking for an hour. For the hour that this meeting has lasted, you have not had the need to compulsively overeat. And yet I went out and um, that's exactly what I did. I just binged my way home from every single meeting. And today I don't live like that. Um, October is a month that is full of Jewish holidays. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is centered around food. You know, there's, there's so many meals with so many different courses and so many, like a million dishes. And I eat what I need to eat, what is prescribed by my food plan, no more, no less. And I pull away from the table without regret, without remorse, without fear, without shame or guilt. And, you know, like what happened? Of course, that I had to identify in. I had to identify with the fact that these people were my people, that these people knew what it was like to be me, you know, that, that they knew how I thought, they knew how I felt, they knew how I behaved, they knew how I ate because they've all done the same thing. But at some point, I had to move on from that identification with the problem and actually identify with the solution, the fact that the solution prescribed in this big book, which is quite simple, you know, put the, put the food down and work the steps, could actually work for me, and it's um, it's what it says here in the in the preface uh, when he's describing the the stories, the purpose of the stories in the back of the book. It says, um, "I hope that you may pause um, 
in reading one of the 42 personal stories and saying, yes, that happened to me, or more important, yes, I felt like that. That is the identification with the problem. But here it says, or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. And that is the identification with the solution. And that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Our Harlan G., you're next. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for your service. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you. The significance, the historical significance and the divine intervention of this encounter with Bill Dotson is monumental and is why we're here this morning and is why there are meetings and conventions and fellowship and everything else. Let's keep in mind that they were not trying to get Bill Dotson to work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous because the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous would not even be written for several years. This is June of 1935. The big book wasn't started till 1937, wasn't published till April of 39. Bill Dotson proved that the methods that they were using, which were divinely inspired, could work. And Bill Wilson maintained throughout his entire life that as much as he and, and Dr. Bob were, were co-founders, Bill Dotson was monumental. Let's take a look at what's going on here. There were a handful of people on planet Earth that were sober. Here's who we know was sober. Roland Hazard, Abby Thatcher, Sheber Graves Jr., Shep Cornell, Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob. Six people on planet Earth were sober using spiritual means. This is just what we know. And here's Bill Dotson coming along, and the message that they gave him had depth and weight, as Silkworth instructs us to do. The message that they gave him wasn't that they preached to him from a spiritual hilltop. They told him about themselves. And that was the identification that he needed. They didn't bring him information until they gave him identification. And these are the same principles today that we need to use for our 12-step work. Now, failure was looming on their horizon with some successes. We're going to talk about Ernie Gelbreth. We're going to talk about him in a little bit here, not today, because he's going to be the devil-may-care chap that they're going to write about. And he didn't make it, really, for a while. He married Dr. Bob's daughter. But what we're talking about here in Bill Dotson is they proved to each other that it wasn't just Dr. Bob, that this could work, and it infused them with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. There's a great word, enthusiasm. comes from two Greek words, entheos, from God. Entheos, from God. So Bill Dotson proved that what this was, was workable. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. And Ginger C., would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning. This is Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. The man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. 
And when I think of this mental state preceding the first drink, I think of the beginning of a relapse, which starts when I disconnect from this higher power that I need because we know in step one that we lack power. And the greatest lie that comes into my mind at that time when I'm lacking power because life is overwhelming at that point. I'm restless, I'm irritable, I'm discontent. And I start to see food as an answer to my problems in life. So I, I just look, look back into uh, page 14 and I think of Bill's story. For and if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. And, um, you know, that is why since I came home from Virginia Beach, every day I do my best just to live this like my life depends on it because I know it does. I don't think I can get sober out of food again if I were to pick up that bite and listen to the lie. And that lie will absolutely come into my head. I have a mental twist in my mind that says, oh, it's too hard. Life is too hard. I'm, I'm maladjusted at that point. And then to start to see that lie winning and thinking that, yeah, go ahead, take that bite. You know, that bite's going to kill me. I was in bed this time last year. I couldn't get out of bed at 2 o'clock. My kids would come home and see their mother that way, not knowing if she was sick with cancer or some illness. They had no idea that the sugar was getting me that badly. But that's the depths and that's this disease because it progresses. It absolutely progresses. So I just pray I stay in this fit spiritual condition, and that's what we get to do, each and every one of us, one day at a time, just for today. I live it like my life depends on it, and I constantly try to think of others. Because as ex-problem drinkers, that's what we have to do. My mind has to be on you, not on me. This death itself is not an overnight matter. But the gifts that I've been given in almost one year of this recovered state are unbelievable miracles. I am no longer maladjusted to this life. I can go through. I trust this higher power. And then I just love what Bob says. You know, it's, it's more insurance. The more that I am doing, this is not into thinking. This is into action. And the more that I do, the more insurance I take out, and I have more power. That God is with me, and I have more power between me and that first fight. Because it's doing push-ups in the parking lot. It is sneaky. It is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And I just pray that it never enters my mouth again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Who would like to Chris. share on this paragraph? Sarah W. Sarah W. Chris. Um, uh, there's somebody before Sarah W. Chris. Wayne G. I have Wayne, but there's a female voice. Chris G. <laughs> Okay. Chris G, yes. Okay, so we're going to have Chris G, Sarah W, and Wayne C. Chris G, go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G in Connecticut, recovering compulsive overeater. And I'm just so grateful to be able to share and grateful for everyone's service. And just, uh, you've got me this far, steps eight and nine now. Uh, so grateful. And um, I just want to talk about the fact that all human beings are are God's children and we're all um, 
you know, good. And this disease destroys that fact. Um, it, it, it covered me in shame. It covered me in isolation. It covered me in my own mental insanity of lies and self-sabotage. And, um, and it did it in the most cunning of ways because um, it knew I was trying everything possible to, to get myself out. So the more attempts I made, the stronger it got. And the attempt that was missing was, was this program, was my higher power, was action um, in the, in the, in the, um, the steps that I needed to take to, to finally surrender and um, turn my life over. Uh, this disease is insidious and I, I, I'm looking back now at, at where I was at step one and, and I'm like just in shock at how many lies I told myself that I didn't want to be with people. I didn't want to have a relationship that this was okay to just go to bed early every night and have my food, you know, and how insane is that? How insane is that? And I'm just so grateful to, and then the blaming, oh my God, the blaming, the blaming of this world, the blaming of, of, you know, the people that I was in relationships with and, and, and the judgments that I was trapped in and, and how good my disease was at convincing me that um, I was right. Just the righteousness and the arrogance. I was a master in the disease of twisting truths to make me feel validated in my insanity. And I just want to offer hope to any newcomers and, and everybody that, you know, in the beginning, our minds are so poisoned, so poisoned. We can be the most intelligent people. We can be the most insightful people. That doesn't matter. This disease has poisoned our minds. And um, we have to just surrender and give it to God and take one step at a time. And thank you all, and I pass. Thank you, Christy. We'll have Sarah W. followed by Wayne C. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your service today. My name is Sarah W. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, um, I, I love what the paragraph's saying. Uh, you know, the few thoughts that I have is that um, I can turn that first step around and say my life is unmanageable. And, you know, food is my solution. And really, my life was unmanageable way before I picked up that first bite. Way before. Um, and I think that's what comes out when we when we take the time to really do a um, a mental overhaul of, of where we've been in our lives. Um, chronologically, when I look back at, at when I was a very little girl and how I looked at life, uh, of course, something had to be my solution because otherwise I probably would have taken a gun to my head. So, uh, you know, food became my solution. And um, 
you know, like other people have stated, um, you know, my mind becomes warped because um, that that suffering and that pain and that anxiety of living life, somehow I have to have something to allow me to walk through life um, without this constant state of fear and anxiety. Um, and, you know, that can come up for any one of us that are recovered. Uh, and that's why we do a 10-step. And that's why we practice prayer meditation. And that's why we continue to work with others. Um, but, you know, we're not all beyond that. And and the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, I can say that the destructiveness that, that occurred through my using, um, you know, I couldn't even lay down flat. Um, you know, we wear our disease in, in OA. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous, you can sneak drinks and, you know, people may smell your breath, but, you know, and they may see that you are looking more aged or tired or struggling, but we wear the fat. Um, and I was thinking about the idea of the first step is really all about humility and honesty and willingness and the desire for something different. But, you know, sometimes you'll ask a person when they ask you to help them, you know, I want you to think about it. And are you, are you really willing to do the things that you're going to have to do, which is going to help you? Because most of us have tried everything you know, diets, we heard about it earlier. You know, I remember using liquid protein and and white crosses and, you know, whatever I could do, you know, the cabbage diet, all the things that we do, going to all the different Weight Watcher programs and all the other types of programs. We have to be at a place where we really desire a different way of life. We have to be uncomfortable enough to want that. And, you know, like like it says, you know, we don't have to change anything. We have to change everything. But we do it one day at a time. And there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. And we can join hands. <clears throat> now, and the last thing I'll say is I remember the first time I heard our invitation to you and how much it meant time. to me. I heard you. Thank you, Julie. And it said, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home. And I would welcome anybody that's come in today. And thank you. I pass. Thank you, Sarah W. And Wayne C., you're next. Uh, hi. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, reflecting on the, the the reading and in particular my experience with coming into visions. It seems like, you know, my, um, when I, you know, my, my journey in, in OA has been from one of uh, regular OA, which was, a good first start. I never want to minimize how significant it was to be sitting there, and um, you know, even though there was, in my mind, I mean, I was able, you know, I've been around, so I was able to figure out pretty quickly that there's something missing. You know, people are still in the food, and that's 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 okay. You know, I mean, uh, no, I didn't die. No, nobody, you know, it didn't break me, and it was good. It was good for me to see that, but. But I want to believe by sheer luck that I found how, and how was significant in getting me off the sauce or getting me abstinent, and that was huge. And you know, I was able to make connection with the calls and stuff, and that was vital. I needed that, and then uh, through I want to believe just luck again, I found visions and visions. What was significant about visions was um, the 
person who I subs- well, first it was a couple uh, people who clearly were were doing to the best of their ability, working the twelve steps, and uh, a man and a woman were sharing on the line about this idea of um, using you know recovering as it's written uh, in the in the book, and to me that was that hit a nerve. That really hit a nerve, and uh, and uh, and a lot of things sort of began, it began a ripple effect, and and I started to get very angry, and and very upset, and uh, because I realized that either I've been robbed or I robbed myself or something was so amiss within the rooms and just overall in my journey in the twelve steps that I just I mean I'm sure there was. You know, maybe I wasn't ready. You know, some some people say there's this is a grace, it's a gift, because you know why do some people come in and get it and, and others don't, or guys go back out? I mean, we have a free choice, I suppose. But um, yeah, it was just though hearing those two people share, so that really had a significant impact on on me, and um, maybe just come to these steps, you know, like a little child and wanting to learn and. And, uh, and and see if I can get what they have, you know, that type of thing. And so um, I'm grateful that, you know, in 2016 it's still happening where somebody will come in and, and yeah, it's, um, I could, I could argue, I could argue that my spiritual experience began when I first entered into a regular way, quite frankly. And, and that was a spiritual, that was a miracle in of itself. After two warning shots from the doctor, you know, finally got in the doors, and then the second spiritual was finding how. But clearly that wasn't enough. I needed, I needed the steps. I'm discovering, you know, uh, arguably for the first time. So, um, yeah, and, and that's... So I, I want to believe the spiritual experience is not enough. Just like some people can get the grace, come in, and then go back out. So I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne C. It is now time to close our meeting, and I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Maureen M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Julie, I'm sorry, this is Maureen. We covered... I'm not really prepared. Okay, can I? Um, I have another volunteer to read, or Janice M. One sixty four. I can do that, Julie. This is Sarah W. Okay, thank, thank you, Sarah, Sarah W. Okay, uh, this is Sarah W. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.